even though sometimes you tune into these things and it feels different this time, it's really not. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to The Essential Podcast. This is Tommy Barco with Barco Financial. And today we're going to talk about a very timely topic, as if you haven't gotten enough information or sound bites about the election season that we are in. We want to talk to you today about something that is very important and a pretty common conversation these days, and it's how do presidential elections affect the stock market? So lots of information here, a lot of technical information. And Matt, we actually did a long blog post on the Essential blog with charts and everything. But hey, if you're like me, you'd rather listen to somebody discuss it than sit down and read that. But that data is out there. It is interesting. We're going to try to break it down for you, make it a little more simple in podcast format. So Matt's here as always. What's going on, man? Nothing much, Tommy. I, I agree. I I looked at the blog post when you emailed it out. It is a lot of text and a lot of data. So if you want the details and the nitty gritty, definitely check it out there. Otherwise, this will be your go-to. And do you think, Tommy, that this election will be more polarized than the 2016 election? What are your predictions there? I do think things are going to be more polarized or are more polarizing. I think that's just the nature of the seemingly extreme differences between the candidates. But I was telling my wife just this week that it seems like everything you hear one candidate say, you within a short amount of time hear the other come out and take the exact opposite stance. And so by definition, you know, polarizing is positive compared to negative, right? And so I do think this will be very polarizing. I think what's funny to the comment that you just said is you do have the candidate take the opposite stance, and then you have the people that are on uh, whichever side that they're on then make a economic prediction based on what they think is going to happen. So, at, so you get two different reverse, and then it creates all this confusion or concern <laughs> in people's minds, which is exactly what, obviously, the media is meant to do, is to get you to click the right. articles, to get you to panic or be fearful, because... Uh, you know, if it bleeds, it leads, right? And the reality is we've had elections every two years for the history of the country, right? And in the modern era, which would be since the 30s, you look at how it's impacted the market and the economy. There have been 14 different presidential elections. And then we have the midterm elections offsetting those every two years. So even though sometimes you tune into these things and it feels different this time, it's really not new. And, you know, it's kind of what we said about this pandemic and everything it, and the way the market was reacting. It, we, we commonly said it feels worse than it is. And I think that's also true because of the media and some of the th- way things are being amplified. So it is an important conversation. It is important personally uh, as citizens, as taxpayers, as voters. You know, elections are extremely important. And this is true regardless of which side of the aisle you're on, which candidate you support. I mean, your vote helps determine principles that will be upheld by the country for years to come. But we must separate our personal lives and feelings and political thoughts from our financial plans or the investments we choose to make. And this reminds me of our 
emotional investing podcast, Matt, where we talk about Isaac Newton, the uh, mistakes that he made as a very intelligent person, bought into the hype, made emotional decisions, and ended up costing him very dearly and financially. Yeah, what he was essentially trying to do, I guess, was make educated guesses because he made a bunch of money and thought, you know what, I'm good, I'm going to get out. And then all the hype kept going and he ended up paying quite dearly for probably the smartest person in the world at the time. So you definitely do have to detach emotion from it. And I think this is probably you you would agree, Tommy, is where the plan or planning comes into play. Yeah, this is very true, Matt. The financial plan and the long-term investment decisions are best made focusing on economic and fundamentals rather than these day-to-day headlines from the election coverage that we kind of can get sucked into. And although government policy can impact economic growth and long-term we can see these different trends emerge based on what policies are in place, generally speaking, it's not going to move the needle much on the short term. So the emotional aspects are really the most dangerous. And so just a quick history lesson here, and we've got more information on the blog about this, and there's even a, a video that's linked there as well. The truth is, Matt, that claims of a candidate saying, you know, people saying this candidate's going to kill the market or this candidate, if he gets in office, would ruin the economy. I mean, those types of things have been said by probably every president in the modern era. But we know for sure that they were said about both Trump and Obama. And you can look at history and see this, you know, these big underlying currents and conversations around what was going to happen to the market. And then ultimately, if you made decisions based on those predictions and got caught up in that emotion, you probably missed out. So just two that I'll point out is during the 2012 midterm elections, all of the conversation was around Obamacare and how it was going to be this burden on the economy. But if you had bought on Election Day in 2012 and held it until Election Day 2016, you would have experienced a 16% average annual return. (laughs) That's a total of 63%. And if you had listened to all the headlines prior to that, you would have not have made that decision because the the fear was there. The emotion really was ramped up. And then the same thing, Matt, in 2016, the markets just tumbled overnight. The futures just plummeted as it became obvious that Trump was going to win the presidency. And the next day they recovered and reached all-time highs by the end of that year and continued until the most recent pandemic and the setback that occurred in February. So all the predictions there and even the market's reactions did not foretell what would actually happen. Keep focus on the long term, all those things are just essential in, in this environment. Well, and I remember that fairly clearly, Tommy, because I think a lot of people were probably up uh, late because there were some states mm-hmm. that were doing manual counting and whatnot. But I do recall when it did look more clearly, and, and I could be getting this wrong because, you know, it's uh, the financial stuff. But I remember somebody flashed up, uh, I think it was Asian futures on the screen, and they were down. I mm-hmm. remember it was a large number. And as you had just mentioned, at the end of it, everything was essentially flat. And, and I think the key takeaway here, Tommy, is that panic and the news cycle and what you see every day, which is designed to get you to click and read and, and question everything that you're doing, cannot be the process. I think in that, 
in that mm-hmm. long time podcast we had in the first season, we talked about emotional investing is um, I had subscribed to Seeking Alpha's email blog. And for those who are not familiar, it's basically a financial website that uh, I wouldn't say they make recommendations, but they make predictions. And it was every single day, gold and silver. There seemed to be an article that it was going up or shooting up to buy now or going down to sell now. And that's just, that's not a process. That is maybe at the best educated guessing. So I, I think that's one of the big takeaways here is while there are you do have to keep an eye on it or the professionals that you're hiring need to keep an eye on it. It cannot be mm-hmm. your process to let panic and what you're hearing in the news essentially drive your future financial plans. Yeah. Uh, two of the keys are to remain focused on what matters and to remain focused on what we can control. And all of these things that we're talking about here, who wins the election and how the market responds All those things are outside of our control. So don't get distracted by the noise. Have a plan. Use a philosophy to govern that plan. Put the right people in place to help you stay accountable. Those are the things you can control, and those are the things that lead to success. And I think it's important to point out the economy is not the stock market. And when people talk about the market's performance, and I even mentioned it earlier, bought on 2012 Election Day, sold on 2016 Election Day, and how the market performed, but most investors don't own the market. It's usually not prudent you know, to buy just this one index that we all track. So that's a whole nother conversation. But all these things are not just some big melting pot of things that mean the same thing. So there's big differentiations there. And as a result, the relationship between politics and the market is not as simple and obvious as most of us would conclude. So when we look at history, when we look at how things have performed, and we've got the charts on the blog, in the long run, stretch these things out, even including some of these unforeseen events like the tech bubble bursting or a terrorist attack, these things over time all seem to have averaged out, and there's really not much difference between who wins and who doesn't. So one of the best analogies I've heard regarding your investment strategy and kind of how you approach this, Matt, is say we're about to start a baseball game. And we were told at the beginning of the game before it was starting that in the seventh inning, the rules were going to change. So knowing that the rules are going to change, but we don't know how they're going to change, what would you do differently in the first through the sixth inning? I mean, I, I guess you would try to score as many runs as possible. Yeah, I like that answer, but the the short version is you would do nothing different because the rules are still the same. You know, home runs still count for one point. There's still three outs, right? All the rules are the same, so you just continue to play the game the way you know how to play. Then in the seventh inning, when we learn what the changes are, maybe it's that runs count for half of a point or runs count for two points, then you would begin to maybe change your strategy, right? You would react to that information, And you would put your big hitters in because the runs counted for more or the runs counted for less. You know, you'd have to determine what that strategy was to help you win the end of that game or through the rest of that game. So hopefully that's not too confusing. It seems obvious to me the the parallel there is the things that will impact the market and the economy in the long run would be changes that a particular candidate would make or refuse to make once they were in office. That would be the rules changing. And examples are the tax code and 
uh, philosophies around inflation and spending and the deficit, all these things, right? These all ultimately measure up to make economic impact. So if we knew the rules were going to change in the seventh inning, we wouldn't do anything different now. And that's kind of how we stand. So we'll have an election in November, and that person will be inaugurated in January, and we will begin to see if the rules change, and if so, how we would react to that. And the final thing I have on this, Matt, is the reason usually we see a lot of volatility in election years, and that is common, is because there is uncertainty, right? The market hates uncertainty. It would rather have bad news than uncertain or no news. And so when we saw, you know, polls showing Hillary Clinton becoming the president and then this kind of surprise upset, if you will, of Donald Trump becoming president, it caused the markets to just kind of recalibrate even that day. And so that uncertainty goes away on November 3rd and uh, the market can begin to digest that and then we can all make our appropriate changes. But to be honest, there aren't a lot of things that probably need to change because when you look at history, the average returns and the one-year lag returns, all those things end up averaging out with a great game plan, quality investments, and some good philosophies around investment strategy. So Tommy, as we start to close this up, uh, what would you say to somebody, whether they're nearing retirement or they're halfway through accumulating assets, uh, what would be some things that they should do to prepare for this election? Yeah, that's what's on everybody's mind, right, when we start talking about this. And, and the reality is, if you have a sound financial plan, the only reason you make changes to that plan are if your goals change, right? So there's a lot involved. You may want to reevaluate your risk number, update your risk profile to make sure that that is all in order. And then you want to keep your finger on the pulse of your financial plan. And that should be something you're doing is like what's part of what we do as part of our process with our clients. And that is the key, right? The recipe calls for these ingredients to go in in these quantities over this period of time. And that's what the financial plan's doing. And it accounts for the uncertainties, the risks, the Republicans and the Democrats and whomever may win and changes to the tax codes and all these things are factored into and planned for in some capacity in a quality financial plan. So it's a key component of you achieving success, getting that defined outcome, work optional lifestyle, you know, all those things we talk about. So evaluate your goals. If they haven't changed, just hang tight. And if you need some reassurance, revisit the plan, check out the, the uh, confidence levels, or update your risk information. Well, that's good advice, Tommy. Um, what if somebody does want to take a look at those uh, those things that you've got? Where can they find that? Yeah, I think the best thing to do would be to set up a sounding board session. You can do that on the website, sparkofinancial.com. There's a book a session button there where you can schedule time to talk with us. We'll be able to bring a lot of peace and clarity, I think, to your situation. And we can walk you through getting your risk profile or getting it updated and setting up and creating a financial plan. So we're always happy to help in that area and help you, again, remain focused on what matters, remain focused on what you can control, and give you that clarity and confidence to keep you away from the fear and the anxiety and all these headlines. So with that said, we'll go ahead and wrap up. 
This is a, again, detailed conversation. Check the blog out if you'd like more info as the selection season unfolds. And hey, until next time, thanks for tuning in and keep it essential. Thanks for sticking around after the music. We just have a quick disclosure for you. Securities are offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management, Inc., and advisory services are offered through S.A. Stone Investment Advisors, Inc.